Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey everyone, uh, just before we get started, I wanted to explain what this episode is. Um, originally, this was going to be a bonus episode for the Patreon. Um, normally, we just cover the Marvel shows, but we wanted to do a little bit on Sandman too. And then we thought, actually... Since it's spoiler-free, let's put it out on the main feed, and then anyone who's watching Sandman currently can have a listen. Anyone who's interested can have a listen. And uh, if you're already subscribed to the Patreon, or if you're planning to subscribe to the Patreon, we will be doing another spoiler-filled Sandman follow-up in about a week or two's time. So if you've got any thoughts on Sandman, having watched it or read the comics, uh, you can email those to us at cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. And we'll be uh, including some of those in the Patreon episode, like I say, in about a week's time, assuming we get any. I would politely ask you not to make fools of us in this regard. If you want to join the Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash cinematic universe, where we charge, uh, I think it's £2.50 or $3 for all of our bonus episodes. Um, You can also get the main feed episodes ad-free there and, you know, other bonus stuff like I'm... I'm currently doing a read-through of every issue of Sensational She-Hulk just to uh, see why that series has the reputation it does. Um, so that's a fun fun exercise as well. That's a bonus thing that everyone's getting on the Patreon. And we'll be doing uh, weekly She-Hulk episodes over there as well, which will be roughly the same tone and scope as the episode you're about to hear. Although probably with more spoilers as i say if you haven't seen sandman you can listen to this without worry that we're going to spoil anything we might discuss a couple of characters and maybe some small plot details but it's not gonna it's not gonna ruin any twists or um spoil any endings for you so you can listen with complete uh confidence there but yeah enjoy the episode we'll be back again on the free feed with a news episode in a couple of weeks time probably we'll speak to you soon Hello and welcome to an episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast all about superhero comics and TV and movies. (laughs) This is why Joe has it written down. I'm James Hunt and I am joined this week by... Reese Williamson. Yeah, and we're here to talk about not anything Marvel for a change. Mm. We're here to talk about The Sandman. The Sandman. Does it have a... Maybe maybe no definite article, just Sandman. No, it does. No, it definitely has a... Okay, okay. So this is a show we have talked about fairly recently uh, on the on the apps. You know, we've sort of mentioned it. It's been on our radar. Mm. Uh, and I think I'd be... Oh, by the way, we should say Joe isn't here because he had a baby. Congratulations, Joe. You had a baby to, like today. He's, like hours he's ago. truly made history by <laughs> having a baby. He's truly made history. No, his, his wife had a baby. He had a baby with his wife. Congratulations, Joe. Yes, there was, it was a group effort. There was, a, well, you know, I won't get into details, but at some point, Joe <laughs> played a role. <laughs> uh, but, you know the younger listeners let you ask your parents um so joe has had a child uh, sorry joe's wife has had a child and joe is there you know in the room or running around with the talc or whatever uh so he hasn't he's neither on this record nor nor has he seen sandman nor probably does he give a shit about any of this you know for a for a period for this moment which is, which is very much on him uh, <laughs> um and i you know if we t- if we go if we go to I'm not sure I was planning on watching this. You know, they did a, I've become used to and rather fond of the week to week releases of TV stuff, to be honest that, you know, I, I sort of did binge stranger things, but mostly I, yeah, I like the, you know, life's just got no time and energy to do a big old binge. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel about most streaming TV generally, but you know, but then for uh, me, there were, and I wasn't even planning maybe watching this at all, to be honest, because I've been the one of the three of us who's probably been the most negative on this. I'm the one, I think, I'm not sure that Joe has, but I haven't read any of the comics. 
which is sort of a crazy blind spot for someone who's scandalous. Yeah. yeah, Who was like, who was, yeah, I don't know. I can't really, I can't really, I've got no justification for that, but I I haven't read the comics. I think I own, I think I own preludes and nocturnes, but never read it. (laughs) Just crazy. I mean, in, in fairness, I hadn't read Sandman until a lot later than you would expect. I, I first read it maybe, uh, probably 10 years ago now, a little bit longer, maybe getting on for 12. But, you know, I'd been a comics fan for almost 20 years by the time I cracked it open. So there's no, so, there's no wrong time to read Sandman. No, no, but this series, I wasn't that interested in it. And then, I don't know about you, but for me, the reviews hit about this time last week. Um, and they were just sort of overwhelmingly, at least the ones I saw, like positive. And some yeah. of them really positive. And I just, you know, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a fucking sheep. And so good reviews for the <laughs> thing. And I'm like, oh, I should, I'll do, I'll watch that thing. You know, Rishi didn't care about it yesterday. Yes, but, but, you know, look what Robbie Collin has said. Or look what Empire <laughs> Magazine have given it four stars. Um, yeah, and I watched, I watched three episodes. James, you've seen the whole season by now. And yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, yeah, it's good. We'll talk I, I much mean, more about it, but it's, it's good. Yeah, I've got to admit, after I saw the uh, trailer, that that first Netflix trailer really mm. concerned me because it was looked sort of cheap and rubbish. <laughs> um, and I was a bit concerned that it was going to be just the, the sort of usual, you know, low effort streaming mm. thing where they just mm-hmm. spin out for ages and they have lots of bad CGI. And, you know, I think in fairness... My thoughts about the adaptation are a bit more nuanced than nuanced than this is amazing and fantastic, mm. but I will say it's rare for me to to binge a whole TV show mm. basically as quickly as I can. And I think mm. what is it? I, I've watched the whole ten episode lot since Friday, and it is now Monday. So yeah, and you work. You are you are you have a career, and you work a job, <laughs> and a child, and you have a child. <laughs> yeah. I watched, uh, I think I watched three episodes on Friday, three episodes on Saturday, uh, two episodes Six, on Sunday. And seven and eight, two more to two go. Ep- two episodes tonight, yeah. And the now match checks out. The match checks out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the other thing, we said this just before we started off, Mike, but, you know, the episode, I think, at least part of the, part of my, I think, because I, I watched, I had a busy weekend, but on Friday I just watched, yeah, I watched the first three, bang, bang, bang. Um, mm-hmm. And... The um the this the the length of them is is you know again for Netflix stuff it's it's short it's relatively shorter the the length of the episodes at least the first few you're talking like forty five the second episode is like thirty eight minutes um and and you know just like all TV these days is that of the last five minutes ish of that is is credits and then you get the recap that Netflix <laughs> just skips automatically. Netflix has definitely got the most aggressive of the, you know, this thing starts <laughs> yeah. start in three seconds and it's going to jump you straight into like the middle of the first line of dialogue of the, the next yeah. episode. You just cut, you know, you're on like this, you're on this there's fucking no, train. <laughs> no dead end. Yeah. yeah there's no like, bang, um, bang, bang. Yeah. It's like the opposite. I remember, the, I remember, do you remember the, I mean, it was probably legislated, which is why this happened, but I feel like the we would, um, I think it was the we, uh, it was sort of, it would, um, suggest to you every every couple of hours like maybe you should you know put the remote down like go go get some yeah, air, yeah. you know and <laughs> this Touch netflix crash. is like yeah just it's just the opposite of that like we we're gonna take you by the throat left hand <laughs> throat right hand balls and we're just gonna just gonna pull you through this whole season of television you have no you have no control yeah um so yeah yeah and, and you know there's i mean there's loads there's even there's loads to talk about even in the first few episodes from the the performances and the kind of and the structure, but I think I think the thing that I liked the most and what drew me in quickly was the the pace of it, you know, and the and the tone. Um, it's got this. Yeah, yeah. The pace is it's it's. I think slow isn't fair because, like, you know, the first episode spans a hundred years or something. So, you, know, <laughs> you cover ground, but there's just a yeah. There's a sort of a there's a a, a pace to it, a pace to how th- things move scene to scene that I. I thought, oh, this is kind of different. This is, yeah, I you know, think it certainly isn't pop, sort of pop arty superhero-y stuff, you know, and that's not what it, it's definitely not what it is. Um, but yeah, for me, the thing that really sort of stuck out was how deliberate everything seemed. Deliberate, like it, that's what I was looking for. There was not a lot of fat on the episodes. Um, sometimes that works to its disadvantage because, like, when <laughs> there are a bunch of subplots in the comic that when they turn up in the show they might as well have giant red sirens like stuck on the top of them because there's absolutely no like 
room for anything that isn't directly relevant to the main plot. Mm. So when they show up, like one of the one of the fun things about the comic is that you'll you'll get like little tidbits of information that turn out to be something more, and they're always mm. hidden away, and you're searching for them. But in uh, in this, it's like, <laughs> they've got a big big arrow pointing to them, being like, mm. "This will be important later." <laughs> but you know that's that is one of the challenges of adaptation, and I've got to say, as adaptations go. This is a really good one. It skews very close to the material in a way mm. that most adaptations are like, yeah, you know, we're going to play around. We're going to gonna do our own spin on this. And this is like, no, verbatim, no matter mm. how much difficulty the actors are having, <laughs> verbatim. He has teeth in his eyes and we're going to just do it. And that's what he has. He has teeth <laughs> eyes. No questions. Yeah. Um, I think part of that is maybe I'd missed this in the pre, in the pre, you know, before the, the show came out, but, you know, Gaiman, not just Gaiman, Gaiman was always going to be really involved with this, but the other, you also have go- the fact that you have Goya, mm-hmm. who has just behind the, you know, some 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 have worked better than others, but he really, if you look at, you know, he, he is really a, a major piece of the sort of super, of the comic book adaptation yeah, I mean, over the last 20 years. And Alan Heinberg as well is a, you know, that's a, that's a big comics guy. Indeed, yeah. I think, and, the and thing those, about- those three are the guys. <laughs> The thing about David Goya, you can say, is regardless of how successful the adaptations are, I, I don't doubt his love for the genre and medium. Mm. Um, and Alan Heinberg, like, every comic of Alan Heinberg's that I've read has been fantastic. Like, I really loved, he did um, Young Avengers? Avengers. He did the Children's Crusade, yeah, Avengers Children's Crusade, and that was great. And, you know, he was behind, you know, some some massive TV shows. So he knows what he's doing with the medium. Like, yeah. it's could not be a, a better team yes yeah and gay and gayman you know he's i wonder whether maybe he wasn't ready to be involved with the sandman show 10 years ago but he's you know whether it's american gods you know and its failures or um <laughs> good omens and its, good omens and its yeah. yeah you know and, and other stuff too and obviously his experience with uh probably with Joseph gordon levitt is, is probably the movie adaptation that got the furthest mm-hmm. um but you know this 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 ip has been i bet you he's would have he will have been in rooms for 20 years with hollywood people <laughs> trying to break what a sandman movie or show is mm-hmm. is and should be and he's probably he's had a lot of time then to you know think about what his own views yeah um, well one of the one of the things that strikes me about season one of sandman which adapts the first two graphic novels it adapts uh preludes and nocturnes and uh the doll's house mm. and especially you know in in the comics those first few issues are a bit ropey and you know they have some you know some ground to cover in terms of getting the world established and it does not work as well as it could and likewise, the Doll's House was like his first attempt at a sort of long form story in that world, and that's got some, you know, some issues with it. And this very much feels like the the like grown up adaptation of it. It feels to me like he's been he's been kicking these ideas around for so long, and he's gone, no, actually, mm. I know how to do these right now, and this is how I would do it. And and the TV version of Sandman, like, I wouldn't go so far as to say it supplants the comics. This is the thing. Put those pistols away. (laughs) There are a lot of things in the comic that don't make it into the TV show, like the sort of the weirdness and a lot of the horror. It's all been toned down in favor of making something that's a bit more palatable and you know has some of that more modern gaming tweeness. But in terms of the plotting and structure, it it works so much better. It's like it's gone well, you know. in a world where I don't have to worry that this might not come out, you know, where, where I'm not relying on month to month sales issues, uh, Mm. sales numbers. This is how I would do the story given 10 guaranteed episodes. And it, it just works. Yeah. It's very good. And, and I wonder as well, whether, you know, there's a trust in the, in the source material there that, that, you know, because Sandman is, it's just a very influential and, hugely selling and loved comic and Mm -hmm. and but often like within adaptation of things that people love and they sell loads and people connect with the characters of the story and everything when they adapt it people hollywood people go um let's change a lot of it it's like (laughs) you know i know you have obviously you have to adapt things the medium has changed but i wonder you know i i would i would bet that past versions of 
of this, of the Sandman on screen were much less close to the source material. And actually, gamers yeah, like, yeah. listen, guys, no, I, you know, I wrote a good comic. I wrote good <laughs> characters and storylines. Let's just do that, and you know, we'll we'll adapt. But again, I mean, I say that I haven't read the comics, but you know, we'll adapt on the fringes. So. You know the fact that it's sort of the t- the timeline has moved up a bit, right? Like it's it's the the original set kind of when he's writing the comics, so yeah, in the eighties, yeah. right? 80s? Um, yeah, nineties, late eighties, early nineties, yeah, sure. And so this obviously, although I although I don't think they ever they don't actually in the first episode they don't <laughs> you get some time you do get some specific time dumps, but then they don't actually they don't actually say that it's twenty twenty two. I don't yeah, think. yeah, there are a bit of there's some sort of fudging going on because there are some, sure. there are some characters who are like you know they're walking around in the present day and you're like if that if they were really mm. alive in 1916 mm. or whatever they would be 100, <laughs> 120 years old now. Sure, sure. so but you know you can gloss over it i think i i think it would have been better even if they'd just completely ignored actual dates but i think mm. There, there are some things that kind of rely on being placed in a specific time. So, to that shall extent, we, it's unavoidable. Yeah. Shall we talk about two things that, two big questions that I had in my head when the trailers were coming out? Sure. Um, maybe my two biggest, like, uh oh, kind of worry factors. One, the the effects, mm-hmm. um, you know, on a TV budget and with a vague understanding of the the milieu of of Sandman, the comic, <laughs> and like, oh, are they gonna? Are they going to deliver on on it? And two, I think you know Tom Sturridge, right? Here's a guy who, you know, pretty British actor, certainly looks the part. Those cheekbones and like, you know, as pale as a as a jug of milk frozen, <laughs> and then like, and then put through some kind of color filter so it's it's lost any color that was there is what his skin tone is. Um, uh, but you know, you know, I can't think of he's a, that's a name I know and he's been in stuff, but I couldn't actually tell you anything good he's been in or any performance that i've ever noticed him in right so no, you're like sure. oh okay this is a big this is like a big you know he's not playing an everyman he's playing uh you know a, 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 what's the i don't even know and it's no not an eternal a <laughs> one of the, the endless the one of the endless right yeah so he's like he's not a human he's not a god he's got he, he is something powers cosmic above a god is what he's cosmic yeah what he's that's playing, quite yeah. a lot that's quite a that's quite a lot to <laughs> to, to, to get at, right? It is. Um, yeah. I wondered your thoughts your thoughts on him uh, and on the CGI in the show. Uh, so I'll address the CGI first. I think the way they've gotten around the CGI budget is just by toning down. Well, <laughs> I think they've toned down the look of the show quite a lot. Uh, like in the in the comics, especially those early Sam Keith issues, they're like sort of warped and crazy and there's a lot of imagination in the visuals and what the show does is go oh, we're just going to make it a bit more grounded um i think it's noticeable especially in the episode where they um adapt the uh fight with lucifer because you know they spend a lot of time in non-earth environments just to avoid spoilers there um <laughs> but, uh, yeah it's uh you know it's a bit more prosaic Mm. that said you still get a good sense of the geography it still looks interesting it's not bad per se it's just one of the areas where you can go it's definitely weaker than in the comics and i think when the important the important thing about the cgi is that it never gets in the way of the storytelling like it's never like that black panther fight scene where you're like yeah yeah boy it really turned into a computer game here like every everything that happens is as it should be basically mm. it's not distracting in any way uh sorry i just got distracted mate as we were talking a really close friend of mine just sent me a text apropos of nothing that said the sandman is truly excellent so you know people are watching this show people are watching this show yeah a lot of a lot of my non-comics friends my non-nerd right. friends have, have picked it up as well um i can't, I can't that was remember always the sandman comic thing like it was the it was the book that, <laughs> yeah yeah it was that, the book that non-comics readers picked up yeah, and also the book that girls read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. That is fair. It was the book that you would try and get your girlfriend to read, so that she would hopefully then read like <laughs> Extreme X Men. Yeah. And you were like, "Yeah, you, just, if you read the Sandman first, yeah. and I've got this comic to show you where there's this guy who's made of gold who's like a a portal surfer, 
It's written by Chris Claremont. He's old. And he, uh, anyway, doesn't. I'll give you that in a sec. Yeah. Read, you read you, this other comic first. If you like Sandman, now here's Preacher. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be this. That's probably the yeah. second one. And then what would what would the, what would the third one be? Ennis be... Punisher. Yeah. Try to move him into the to the superheroes to the to the universe. <laughs> And, and then, then you it, give then them Claremont's X Men and just be like, <laughs> yeah, now if you, if you don't like this, you can sling your hook. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, I, sorry, I got a bit off track. Uh, the yeah, the CGI, um, at least for the first three episodes, um, I didn't feel it didn't feel like, yeah. As to your point, it sort of it felt like where they go and and the fancy places that they kind of choose to depict feel well realized, and then it also it also feels like then uh, the story makes sense to go to a, oh, a, a, a flatted London, you know, and or a, a yeah, quite. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like, you know, I, let's compare it to, I don't know, Thor. Well, let's not slag off Thor, Love and Thunder too much, but, you know, <laughs> that, it's like that there's a, oh, they're in like this futuristic city of Asgard. And where does uh, the most of this, most of this scene take place? Oh, just in a room. In a small room. Lame. <laughs> oh, they're on this. They're on this planet that is made of shadows. And where are they going to, you know, do the the action and the talking in this scene? Uh, in a room, in just in a room. Um, <laughs> so um, it did. It didn't feel like that with time, and it felt like when they were in the magical places, it it looked it looked cool and magical. And then 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 he travels to London or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned Thor actually, because the <laughs> the very start of episode one reminded me of the start of Thor. The first Thor. And to an extent, Thor The Dark World. Well, both episodes start with sort of a fly-through of this fantastical realm. Oh, yes. Well, it info dumps all kinds of shit on you. Yeah, Mm. with a a raven. Um, (laughs) And you get his, and you get Dream's voiceover, right? Yeah. And I was just, I was reminded of the opening to Thor The Dark Mm. World, where it's like, yeah, the dark elves came out from the dark world and had a fight with King Boar, and you're like going, "Oh Jesus Christ!" Oh no, isn't I? I swear, like if Joe was on the mic, if you know, if he hadn't had a, a new child today, and or oh, sorry, his you know, we've done through that already. He would reference that the second Thor has this amazing opening line. What is it again? I'm just googling it now. Um, <laughs> it is a really, it is a good line. Yeah. Uh, what's the line? What's the line? While you're looking for that, I will just say that. Yes. I was I was very concerned by the opening because I just felt okay. like this information should come to us at the right time of the story. It's not required to understand the rest of what goes on. But between that and the fact that they banged a trailer at the end of episode one, I think they're a bit worried about having an opening episode where their protagonist essentially sits in a bubble for an hour. Right. But that so, so I, I totally was I was I was the one who kind of appreciated the the, the credit real at the end mm-hmm. um but but yeah i mean i thought i thought that was that was definitely a, a statement of intent you know and without i think maybe we can spoil the the opening episode actually of, of 10 I, I think we're, we're okay with that yeah but you know the premise of the episode is you have charles dance uh, <laughs> and it's the turn of the 20th century right so it's mm-hmm. um it's the early it like 1916 ish yep. and he's he's this guy called the magus and he's a cre he's like a kind of a creepy guy who dabbles in the dark arts um and the episode opens and then another character who kind of comes to him and you know has a special book or whatever and they've both got sons that have died in the war and make and charles dance's whole thing is i want to capture death uh and have him bring my son back basically pretty Mm -hmm. you know fairly straightforward Mm -hmm. and then he they do this big they do a ritual and you i think you see you see a little bit of dream right before that. You'd attack you like a scene or two, maybe of him, maybe, but you know, you haven't really yeah, met the main character. You haven't met the same yet. He's off to confront the Corinthian. Yes. Played by Boy- Boyd Holbrook, who again, just from the first three episodes seems to be the antagonist of the, se- of the series, at least of the first series. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can you know, neither confirm nor, nor deny that. Um, <laughs> and then he, they do, you know, Charles Dunst does the spell. The Corinthian's not really involved. He does this spell and, it's not uh, death; it's dream who kind of gets like blobbed in, and then and then actually the Corinthian then visits visits uh, Charles Dunn and says, "Here's this guy's deal. Uh, <laughs> don't let him out. Don't let him out." And he's like, well, who, "Who are you?" And and Corinthian's like, "Well, I you know I just just trust me. I I don't want him out. You know, we both don't want this guy to to be out." Uh, and then I think I thought that oh, this will resolve. You know, that maybe this is the episode's plot, but it will it'll be like a psychodrama between him and Charles dance. But then, but that's not really what happens. It, 
actually then spans across, you know, about a hundred years mm-hmm. uh, with Dream capt- just captured in this sort of, you know, he's got this magical spell of a glass ball that you can't escape from. Um, and then, you know, his Charles Dance's son is, is involved. Obviously then he ages. And so Charles Dance just, you know, passes away. And then his son is kind of in charge or, or, you know, is in charge. And, and yeah, you, uh, he, he doesn't speak. <laughs> he's naked in the ball. Um, it's yeah. I just, it was just a, a ballsy way to start this show called the Sandman by basically not having, you know, he's in it, but again, he doesn't say anything. <laughs> well, again, he's very so passive. This um, is this is a thing. Comic, though, right? Like the comic sort of rotates between stories that are about the Sandman and stories in which the Sandman is like a peripheral character. Like there are some issues where you know someone will be living through their own, you know, weird fable and he'll turn up for one scene. Mm. Um, and it, you know, it, it makes sense for them to adapt that in, in the TV format as well. Um, it's, it's almost like an, you know, I wonder whether it's, it's a very, it's a T it's a TV structure that very much fits the modern TV landscape. Cause it's almost like an anthology, you know, it might almost be end up being like an anthology series. Mm-hmm. Where every half season you're sort of telling a self-contained story, mostly, uh, with Sandman always being you know your your connective tissue, and telling some kind of long long-term storyline with him. But actually, you can get a pretty a pretty new past in every season. You know you you know you're, they're, 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 his supporting characters are, are pretty are pretty slimmed down. He's got a he's got an assistant played by I can't remember the actress name, but I've seen I've seen him in some stuff. She's good, and he's got a Raven voiced by Ratatouille. So that's fun. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, do you, do you think that having have you read have you read all of the Sandman? I have. Do you think that's what what's what we're looking at here? Are we looking at five seasons of kind of what they've done here, which is half season is one of the trades, and we you know we go about five we go about five years on on this. Year. I th- I think yeah maybe a little bit less than five years. Um, but I you know I don't know they could they could stretch it out or they could compress it. Like there's an episode in season one which adapts two different issues that are two of the best issues and mm. they get a stunning hour out of it but they could have easily got two stunning hours out of it you know mm-hmm. so there are things that i look into the future and i go well that would make a great one episode but they could pair it up with another and do a great you know mm. two two issues again so and what's the consensus like does the comic stay pretty consistently good for its whole run Yes, like okay. it starts off weak, and then mm, once it finds okay. its feet, which issue eight of the comic is the one where it really gets going, mm. and that happens in episode six of the mm. of the um, TV show. Although for my money, I think episodes four, five, and six are the strongest run of any TV show I've seen in years. Like wow. they're just. They're wow. just bang, 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 amazing, like, mm-hmm. just the kind of thing you have not seen before. <laughs> wow. Um, and episode five, I think, is my favorite. Um, even though The Guardian is calling episode six the best hour of television this year or something. <laughs> what do they know, those lefty liberal cuts? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but wait, did we ever talk about storage? Did we ever give our thoughts on him? No, we didn't. We should no, go back to it. Yeah. So, what do you uh, what do you think about Tom Sturridge? What it? do I think about Tom Sturridge? I think he's he's got a very tough gig because a lot of the Sandman, you know, owes to what you bring to it. Mm. Like they they keep Dream very kind of simple and like almost featureless sometimes like you you can't see his eyes you he doesn't you know express much with his face he doesn't have much body language he's normally this is in the just comics a, or this is in, in the show you mean in in the comics and okay. so adapting that performance is really tough um hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
I will. What I will say is, I don't think he's bad. I I look at it and go, this isn't necessarily the interpretation I had on the page. Um, okay. But they've humanized him in a way that I think was probably necessary for television. So it, I think he, when he needs to sell it, he does. And that's what matters. Mm. Like any, any problems I have with him are down to a disconnect between the, the comics and the TV. And I'm, you know, I'm fine resolving that in my own head. I don't think, I don't I, think he should put anyone off. Yeah. I, I'll be, I'll be more, uh, again, I mean, I've only seen the first three, but I'll be more, um, Praisatory? No, positive. More praise, positive. Yes, <laughs> that's the word. Um, <laughs> you know, I think he. I, I think he's good. I think he. Sh- I think to your. You know, to your point, it's clear from the first few. It's uh, the character, especially you know, with his in his dealings with the with the human world or the waking world. You know, he's kind of he's basically trying to not do much. You know, he's trying to not interfere and not you know not do very much because mm-hmm. he's 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 about he's about them dreams. Um, so you know that's like that's just what the character is. So you know, in the third episode, which is the introduction of um, Joanna Constantine, mm-hmm. played by um, played by Jenna Coleman, uh, Jenna Coleman herself. You know, like I, I kind of, I kind of wanted more from him, but I just don't think that's what the, in terms of the the, the dynamic between the two of them. But I just don't think that's you know where the characters at at least in that that third episode. Yeah, but that's you know, I think the but like so he's 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 giving what he's doing what he's supposed to be doing in, in that episode. But um in the first two I, I got I got the in the first episode where he's you know he's imprisoned without you know he doesn't he's like a god type thing, so he doesn't need to eat or drink, but he's literally just in this glass ball for a hundred years. And I kinda got like a weird I got the melancholy, but also the kind of he's not a human and so it won't be ex, won't be experiencing human emotions, you know. Mm-hmm based from this which yeah. I, I just thought was a uh, all while saying nothing and basically being incredibly still which i think was you know again quite a quite a tough gig okay so tom <laughs> be sad but in a god way yeah and like don't but, move but, like, don't move don't speak don't move your face don't do anything but sort of sell this kind of godly sadness and frustration and and forward planning go <laughs> yeah. yeah and then in the second episode i you know com- to compare to the thor movies you know, because he's he's the law. He's sort of he's the he's the lord of this domain, or whatever, right? The, the lord of of dreaming. Is that what the, the, the place the is dreaming. called? It's called the, the dreaming. The dreaming. Yes. So he's this. So there's this kind of. I mean, I don't want to. I'm not going to connect too much to Game of Thrones, um, and you know, because I've only seen the first two. But there's a there's some there is a, some there's more like sort of politicky type stuff about bureaucracy than I was expecting. You know, especially <laughs> in the second episode, it's a sort of a bit about that. Um, and that he he again sort of sells me as as stoic leader, you know, but also mm-hmm. of like these weird dream creations. So it's you know it, that's quite a hard sell. But I, I, I you know he sells me on that, even though he's not just a pretty boy actor, but you know he's fairly young. So to sell that authority is I, I buy it. Yeah, um, I, th- I think you've he- picked up on something very good there because that that stuff does come back later on. Um, mm the 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 thread of you know who administers this realm and who who looks after it in his absence and stuff that that stuff comes back later um in interesting Do you ways mean later in this season or you mean in the comics as, both, as the both. it's a, okay. it's an ongoing thread as to you know what is the nature of the dreaming and what does it mean for him to be in charge of it hmm. Um, and what was, what was my last? One? Oh, and the, my last one was he just looks the part as well. He he, he does, yeah. The when you you know when you like reading articles, reading think pieces and articles this week about like, and we won't make the joke about the articles that say here's where you should start. You know what to read after watching the Sandman because you know <laughs> read the Sandman. Um, but you know all the little comic panels that I've seen this week, having never read the comic, you're just like, oh my god, they they just found the guy that just is this. You know, mm-hmm. he just looks. He's got that pale ass skin. His hair looks amazing. His hair is perfect. He looks good in those. You know, he's he's skinny. They just they just found the guy. You know, and you know, you're, I guess the counter to that would be, uh, uh, yeah, Reese. You, you know, you hit, you throw a stone in Hollywood, and you'll hit like a skinny British <laughs> brunette actor <laughs> who's kind of who looks like he's ever been outside. Which I I'll t- I will take that. I'll take that on board. <laughs> um, but um, he uh, he looks the part, and also I think because he. Because maybe I haven't, you know, maybe no, he, he's, even though it's a name one knows, 
again, he's sort of has flown under the radar a bit in general. So it, it that's always nice to to slightly, you know, you know, to, to have that sort of. Uh, he's a bit of an unknown, so you haven't yet projected things onto an actor. You know, if it was like if George Clooney shows up as as, as Dream, you can, or, or, or well, I guess in a way, it's how they use some of the supporting roles. You know, like Thulis or mm, Jodie Richardson well, or, <laughs> interesting. or Ratatouille. Like you put that you kind of have stuff you've already put on them. It's interesting you should say that because I saw someone saying earlier today that uh, Patton Oswalt was maybe a bit too famous to be Matthew, the Raven. And I was like, well, is he though? Like, you know, of course it's Patton Oswalt. It's all like, that's how acting works though, surely. But like, it, it definitely helps to have someone who is not super famous as the center of that show. Like if it was Benedict Cumberbatch, for example, you would yes, be a bit like a good, yeah. Benedict or, Cumberbatch. Or is, yeah, someone... The other obvious one. The the thing about Sturridge is that he's not bigger than the role, and that is yeah, that yeah. is always mm. good to see in mm. an adaptation. Like it, I think if Marvel has proven anything, it's that you don't need a big star, you need the right star. What do we think of... Um, and we Because we can talk about you know we can talk about the supporting characters in the 10 in the 10 episodes thing but let's talk about mm-hmm. an episode that i've seen what do you think of jenna coleman because my, my understanding is that that's that's a character that will continue to play a part in the sandman comic is that right yeah to a small extent um okay. i think so but that's a big that's a big dc that's a big dc comics character as well you know yeah well so what that they've is done constantine, is right, or constantine uh, they've they've done they've replaced John Constantine with Joanna Constantine is what they've done. So, <gasps> but there's well there's a good reason for that, which is that there's already a Joanna Constantine in the narrative of Sandman. Um, okay, so I can I can see why they would make that change. Um, for me, I'm confused. <laughs> I, so there's in the in the Sandman comic there is John Constantine and Joanna Constantine and yes. they're they're related. Yeah. Okay. But for me, I would say Jenna Coleman is comfortably the the worst actress mm. in the entire show. Wow. Like having watched the whole show. Wow. Yeah. Uh, when I was watching that episode where she was heavily featuring in it, I was like sitting there going, "Oh God, if." if this is the quality that we're going to have for the rest of the show, like it's just not going to work. Mm. I, I don't think she's got the gravitas. Like, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to slam a performance too hard because there are going to be people who are just upset that it's a woman. Right. But sure. for me, she felt a bit CBeebies. Like, Oh shit. <laughs> you know, she's just, she's perky and mm-hmm. smiley and, uh, I don't get a sense of the the kind of haunted past. Mm. Like when she swears, it just it sounds like watching your teacher swear. It sounds like a yeah, like a kid in the playground. <laughs> yeah, bollocks, bollocks, madam. Yeah, and um, also and the, the accent doesn't help her, right? The accent is very EastEnders. Like I did, yeah, yeah. I kept expecting her to be like, "Yeah, my pub." You're not my mother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You ain't my mother, right? Yes, just... I am. Sound man's like, yes, I, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> You ain't no dreaming. Yes, I yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was a bit okay. like that episode stumbled a lot because of the performance for me. And in fairness, there are other times when that is similarly a problem. Like um, there's a character later on played by Stephen Fry. And when he turns it, like when in the comics, you look at it and go, of course, Stephen Fry could do this. But then when Stephen Fry turns up doing Stephen Fry's acting, you're like, Oh yeah, Stephen Fry's acting is a bit different to Stephen Fry, the QI presenter, but not in not enough. If anything, it's a bit like he's just got that that one mode, and it, the amount of the amount of um, uh, like British t- television comedians from the nineties in this, uh, even the first three episodes is kind of like, huh, okay, yeah, we got Mira Sayal, we got Sanjeev, we got. Yeah. Um, um, Stephen Fry later in the show. It's like okay. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, Desiree Birch is in it later on as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Of, okay, so that's 
that's on the sort of well. What do you make of well, who is the who is the actor that plays? Or or or, or no, I'll start again. Having seen the whole the whole season, who mm-hmm. are the other supporting roles that you that are, that are in it a lot? Because <laughs> again, because the structure of the show, it's it's possible that again, I thought that Coleman might be in the whole season, but it sounds like that might not be true. But but who else is who? You know who pops? Um, who's, who's even in it? And like, well, imagine, I imagine Hol- Holbrook and Thulis are are in the are in yeah. Thulis is in it a lot, and he gets some fantastic material. Like he is. Cool extremely good Holbrook again cool. yeah fantastic wouldn't cool. change a thing about either of those performances great um there's a cast of supporting characters from the doll's house who turn up in the sort of back half of the season mm. they are also great um uh, you know i don't want to go into too much detail uh about specifics also because i can't remember the actors names but that how's that, um that ensemble the, the is actress- good well okay let me just ask you about two more uh-huh. One is um, Vivian Atchampong, who plays Lucien. Yes. Thoughts on her? Uh, again, not my favourite performance. Uh, she improves across the season early on. The thing is, early on when I had a bit less faith in where it was going, I was like, oh, this could go either way. I think by the end of the series, she's she sort of found her feet with it. But um, okay. yeah, again, not not a fantastic performance out of the gate. But it, it okay. comes. It comes to work. And then two more I want to ask you about, and that's Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer, uh, uh-huh. and and Death, who's Kirby Howell Baptiste, who mm. who I feel like has just been in so much, so much stuff, so much stuff in the last five or five yeah. or so. Years. Well, um, thoughts on both of those? <laughs> both of those, perfect. Could not have. Could not be more impressed. Like especially, I think Gwendolyn Christie just you know brilliant every second she's on screen kirby how baptiste has such a tough job to do and had so much backlash because basically they cast she's someone back. who yeah they cast someone who didn't look like the fucking 90s goth waifu that people sure. wanted to see didn't look like emily the strange <laughs> right exactly yeah. and yet when she turns up on screen she is so instantly embodying mm. everything about mm. that character in just the most perfect way like because that's a major major character in the comics right yeah death, death. yeah death, like death like, is... like she will pop up for the whole run right, of this yeah show, i think yeah. there was a joke actually a joke uh, a sort of thing that neil gaiman used to say was that uh like mentally in i think okay i'm i might be misremembering but my memory is that he said like him and his editor on sandman sort of said they didn't want to overuse death, so they sort of mentally mm. made a made a pact that they would kind of psychologically pay her a million dollars for every appearance she made in the comic. So they really <laughs> they had to make it count when she turned That's up. Funny. And so, so I guess Kirby Hal Baptiste's salary is, is, is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> she will have her agent will have gone and said, uh, "We've dredged up this old quote from old Neil yeah. and uh, we demand <laughs> a million and that." But so when you know the the time she turns up, she is amazing and i just cannot cannot fault a single aspect of the performance and i think anyone who anyone who complains is just outing themselves as a racist at this point because she is (laughs) she is so good like (laughs) i just i don't know what more people could want from that but i mean uh, have you seen criticism of her since it's come out no well this is the thing i i this is why i think you know, people who are upset are just getting hung up on the skin color because oh, no, of course. The, all the criticism I've seen has been from the announcement and Neil Gaiman was there going like, listen, you haven't seen the performance. Oh, I have, gosh, so up. maybe yeah. give it a rest. Yeah. And now that I've seen it, he was just fully correct. Like there's mm-hmm. no question about it. Cool. Um, okay. I, I, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, what I like, you know, what I like in the first few episodes is, is that the the metaphor of uh, the sort of the metaphor the metaphor of what what dream is what the dreaming is what what are the other realms of the endless the endless is that what they're called yes those kind of what it's interesting to, that they feel different they feel different to what to the normal sort of fantasy. Or like sort of mm-hmm. pseudo fantasy, sci-fi fantasy metaphors of like other realms and how they connect to other things and what they relate to. They seem 
they seem different. They, there's a mystery to them and a and a an intrigue to them. And and you know that's again going back to the sort of you know the benefits of adapting something like this is a very I think the reason why Sandman maybe is was so successful is because it did feel like a really well thought through world and, mm-hmm. and that felt different to anything you'd seen before uh, and has obviously had been very influential. But I, I sort of I do. It's interesting how it does still feel kind of different and unique. And if you compare that to, you know, why, why the last man? Although I, mean, I should say I didn't watch any of that. But <laughs> you compare it to other some of those other comic adaptations that have hit recently. I'm thinking of Why the Last Man or um, or Preacher. That maybe the sort of modernity of the original concepts and comics just got you know ten years on or twenty years on that had that had dissipated a bit. Mm-hmm. It feels like with this, whatever made it, whatever made it feel special and unique, is still true, which I think is 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 testament to yeah to whatever that crazy Neil Neely G guy you know concocted you know, forty <laughs> odd years ago. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if you have thoughts on that and then how that no. I think I think I think you're right in that it it has the feel of a sort of modern fable, like it doesn't. You know, it, it's got its own mythology and it's consistent, but it's not it's not drawing especially heavily on, you know, other shit you have seen. It's not like when you watch Game of Thrones and go like, oh, it's like if Lord of the Rings had tits in it, like, yeah. or it's not like Harry Potter, you know, where it's just like, here, do you like School various, with, with yeah, do you like <laughs> famous, do you like, you know, um, Enid Blyton books and, you know, <laughs> witches because we've just mashed them yeah. together yeah like so <laughs> sure. i i you know i think also one of the adaptations that sprang to mind while i was watching this was dread um okay because it well in dread right they mm-hmm. they adapt the characters and then they they put them in a setting that is basically as close to the present day as they can get away with depicting mm. they're like in in the comics mega city one is such a such a vivid place such a such an alive location and in the in the movie they basically went well we can't afford to do that mm-hmm. so let's just put in some tower blocks into uh, johannesburg mm-hmm. um and that's wait that's good well no this <laughs> is like the thing. that <laughs> uh, it's for me it was one of the weaker parts of that film which is otherwise great okay. mm-hmm. um and sandman has avoided doing that like there, there are bits that aren't as you know visually strange as the comics, but they've they've tried in as many ways as possible to make things distinct and fresh. Um, there's a bit towards the end where they briefly visit the realm of one of the other endless, and it's such a such a cool and unusual and unexpected visual. I was I was a big fan of it. Um, and and you'd have to think that you know uh, with Netflix stuff it is hard. Obviously, the reviews are nice and public, and the reviews are good. Um, and you know we are watching it and enjoying it. My the text of my friend, you know, uh, but that sort of that zeitgeisty thing, you know, has it has it connected there? I think. <laughs> uh, well, and to be fair, you know, it, that, it landed on Friday, so that'll just that probably will just take yeah, a bit of time. Yeah, I mean, I can <laughs> I can tell you that um, it's currently number one in eighty nine countries. Yeah, but again, it's the the Monday up from the Friday. I mean, I think you know when they do like the 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 the, the new the latest season of Borgen was there, or you know the Squid Game live action show will be will be that. You know, <laughs> their, their content, their sort of their app mechanisms can make you know can make just a, a fireplace at Christmas time probably the number one watched thing <laughs> uh, in eighty nine countries. Well, I, I we think will, you know we will see. We'll, we will wait to see if it gets into the culture but if it does and if it's or even even one step below that if it's a financial success for netflix whatever that means um you could see the filmmakers you know and the creators having the freedom to going forward seasons two and on seasons two and on uh go you know being a little bit less accessible and being and having a higher budget and you know mm-hmm. even as good as this season is you could see them Neil Gaiman being like, okay, I told you that some of these choices and concessions were right. I was, I was right. Um, now give me a, give me a ten percent more budget, and I'm <laughs> going to make it twelve percent weirder and darker and more horror tinged, and you know, etc. So, so you could see that. Yeah, 
It's entirely possible. I mean, I I think my impression is that the people who are watching Sandman are watching it all the way to the end. I'm not seeing people who mm. are just like, oh, you know, I tapped out our four episodes because I got mm. bored. Like the people who who get more than two episodes in, I think, are mostly getting through it. So I think that's something Netflix will will care about for sure. Which is, a, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's who does that anymore? <laughs> you know, that's, nobody does. Nobody watches a whole show. Um, so yeah, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I can't really think of anything much more that you know to to speak on. At least of the stuff I've seen. Is there any? Is there any stuff you wanted to um, to mention? No. I mean, we you know we've talked in quite some depth about how it stands up as an adaptation and how it works as television on its own. I think I think it will be interesting for us to check in again when you've uh, finished the show, which might be in a couple of weeks. So maybe on one of our She-Hulk episodes, we can do that. Well, I, and just on that, it's it's interesting that, you know, to my, I, I think the Sandman, one of the reasons I haven't read the Sandman comic is maybe because it came out a bit after my sorry it came out a bit before my time of of reading comics mm-hmm. perhaps because i was yeah um but i isn't part of of the the comic success that basically it comes out and and at a bit of a, a a general boon for comics and it feels really different to what's come before you know it's sort of mm-hmm. it's it's still connected to the dc universe but it's like oh what is this <laughs> it's weird it's gothing yeah by thread. Um, and I, I kind of wonder whether, in some ways, the um, the the uh, what's the word the um, the landscape that made the comica here in terms of what it could be, what it could contrast against back then, you kind of you kind of have something similar now in, in in the comics TV landscape. You know that it feels, mm. you know, there's a fucking dearth of this shit. You know, and lots of it we love, and some of it we is shit, but it's just a lot of it. And it, and it all feels like it's one kind of thing. It's a bit, it's a bit cookie cutter. And then, and then a Sandman show comes along that, you know, for, for whatever, whatever you think of it, it, it just, it does feel different to, you know, to, to Ms. Marvel, to Peacemaker, um, to the boys. It's just got a different, it's a different pace tone. It's just, yeah. It, it, yeah, it just feels different. And you could sort of see the people that, feel like they're getting uh you know the other stuff thrown you know pushed down their throats this is is a bit of an antidote yeah uh, and, I think... and, if, and if it does hit the zeitgeist just like you know it, it could hit the zeitgeist in this in the same route that the comics did but a different medium yeah i think you're you're very right about that like one of the things i thought while i was watching this like i'm 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 very harsh about what i think tv should be like um you know, especially on those Marvel shows, I have no time for any weakness in the adaptation process or in the in the storytelling. Like when they start getting stupid, I go right off them. And <laughs> the same is true for me of other genre TV I love, like Star Trek. You know, I'm a huge Star Trek guy. I don't get to talk about it much on this podcast, but I am a massive Star <laughs> Trek nerd. And um, just the way that this show just knows how to do television in a way that is paced correctly and broken up into units correctly. Like it's not trying to do any of that. Mm. Like, Oh, we're doing a six hour movie shit. Like it's serialized. It's it's telling, sorry, episodic, right? Yeah. It's telling episodic stories with a serialized underpinning. And it, Mm. it's exactly what I want out of television. Like you can, you can watch the units together. You can watch them separately Mm. and it doesn't feel like a waste of time either way. Because um, yeah. you know, you know, so episodic storytelling with a what? What was the phrase you just said? Try and try and replicate it. Which which one? They're <laughs> describing the storytelling structure of episodic versus serialized with Sandman. Oh, anyway, but this is what I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> episode by episode, uh, you know, it, it, each unit is its own thing, but it's telling it, it is telling a wider story. You know what else is good? It's, it's good. It's good at doing that. Comic books. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Again, Sandman comes along and it's like, hey, people like this shit. Let's sort of just do this, right? You can just watch an episode of the Sandman and you get a self-contained story, which for the first three, that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But you're, there's something, you know, something is progressing each episode. And, and for even the best of the Marvel shows, Ms. Marvel, uh, it, it isn't really that. It, it isn't really that. It's, it's, it is a chapter of a, a wider piece. And again, it's... It isn't rocket. It doesn't feel like it should be rocket science for one of these comic shows to just to do comic 
esque storytelling. It's, well, know, this, it's not a crazy idea. You know, this is the thing. Like, I, I always think that good writing should be the the bare minimum of any TV show because basically, right? Basically, bad writing costs us the same amount as good writing. Hmm. So. And there are always more writers than people doing the writing. It's such a coveted position to be a writer of television. There's no excuse for for TV adaptations to be bad. And like, fair, not every <laughs> not everything can have Neil Gaiman on it, right? Like, not everything gets to have one of the greatest like genre writers of a generation turn up and do it. It's it still shouldn't be difficult to get the next mm. Neil Gaiman. <laughs> Uh, I like, I like, I like the optimism there of like TV should should be good. It shouldn't be bad. Yeah, right. It should this be is pretty good. It feels should be able to find people who are good enough. It genuinely to do this cool ass job to make <laughs> this stuff good. It feels <laughs> it feels like such a low bar, and yet so much of the TV I watch is just like nonsense, like <laughs> poorly paced, poorly told stories. You know, doesn't even before you consider whether the acting and direction and effects are good, they just, they don't know what they're doing from scene to scene in any usual way. Yeah, it yeah. feels like the, like the thing that sort of put me off stranger things in the end was I was just watching episodes come and come and come. And it felt like they were just trying to kill time until they got to the finale that they knew they were doing already. And so many shows are like that. Where they go, oh, we want to have a big fight at the Starcourt Mall, so we just have to kill time for twelve hours until we get to that. Uh, yeah, San- Sandman just, is the inverse of that for me. I, I, everything I, it does, it knows what it's doing. My only point to that is that is that Stranger Things is is at times kind of a sitcom sitcom hangout show, and so like by design, it, it, there are chunks where you are just hanging out with the characters, being fun with each other. But <laughs> but you know, and I think that they they they. Again, yeah i mean that's design. you know not but, not to single out stranger things specifically like that's true of a lot of streaming shows especially marvel shows do it all the time where you just mm, feel like yeah agreed. we we know that hawkeye has to fight you know echo at some point mm-hmm. so let's just point the camera and wait for mm. those characters to talk themselves mm. into actually doing it yeah whereas this this is this it, again it comes out straight out the, right out the gate with purpose and with mm-hmm. And it's deliberate, and uh, but you know it's it's also not it's not pure plot. Like even within the first few, it, it feels like it's trying to get at at you know there's a scene at, there's a scene at the end of the third episode without spoiling it, but um, it's one you know probably of the three, it's the episode where Sandman is the most peripheral, uh, and Jenna Coleman's in it, and we've talked about you know her her performance in it in the show. But but it feels like it's trying to get at profundity and, and about and about the human condition and all that sort of stuff and uh, and it's not that it, you know the the plot the plot beats at that moment in the show are sort of you know don't feel that relevant in in a positive way uh, and then mm-hmm. but it's also not a crazy long scene the point is made by the characters and then we move on and uh, and yeah it's it's yeah it's. Uh, it's a good show, I think. It's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> it it's is. a good show. It is, and like I say, I think we should check in again when you've watched all of the um, all of the episodes. So, yeah, that will be a fun conversation we can have. Um, and uh, personally, yeah. I am looking forward to rereading the comics off the back of this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you going to go? Are you going to? You think you'll do the whole lot, or you'll just read the next two volumes, which, which probably uh, is what we'll get in the next the next season? I will probably. I'll probably just read the whole lot. Because you know it's it's eighty issues or so. It's gonna it's gonna take me a while to get through all that. Um, okay, well, you know, maybe we could do a we could do a read along podcast <laughs> thread. Maybe because uh, it could be you know it could be me and you reading reading along. Me who has never read it, read it before, and what you who has? Yeah. What yeah. A, what a dynamic we have. <laughs> um, uh, the last thing I'll say is I, I said in the last uh, episode that we recorded, um, which was. I just, uh, if I get five listeners who tweet at me at Reese R H Y S to do a Super Pets episode, I will do one. <laughs> We've had one. I've had one listener so far, uh, so that's one of five. I think um, I wait another four. Sam Clements of the Picture Picture House Cinema, also, um, I should say, Sam Clements of the uh, Ninety Minute Film Fest podcast. <laughs> We've uh, got ninety seconds or less. That would be a very 
<laughs> he, he also suggested that you um, do it. So you've got you've got two. You just need three more people. Okay, three more. So listeners, and I, 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 I unlike before, I've made promises I haven't kept, but I guarantee you, if I get another three listeners, tweet at Reese R H Y S saying yes for Super Pets. Super Pets go. Super, Super Pets go to the movies. Whatever. I will go see that movie by myself if I have to. I mean, it will be by myself. I'm not, I don't have anyone else <laughs> want to go to that movie with me. Uh, and I will <laughs> make an episode on the Super Pets movie. Also, did you see the, the Rock thing this weekend, James, or yesterday? The yeah, Rock thing? So oh, the where Rock... he was dressed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not that. The, so The Rock, because oh, no. The Rock is the voice of um, Crypto in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, so that's we know that. Mm-hmm. But then, apparently, I mean, I think it was sold as a as a leaked post credit scene. I don't think it actually was that. But The Rock put on his Instagram a video of, you know, sort of it's supposed to be from the movie, and it's in its crypto meeting um, Black Adam's dog, <laughs> who has the voice of The Rock as well, <laughs> and also Black Adam is in the scene too. Okay, CGI Black Adam. I did not by see the that. Rock. But what that what the whole means, of course, is that. That's now canonically means that the Super Pets movie is in the DCEU because you have a CGI rock Black Adam, who of course we know the real life version is also. So it puts again it puts pressure on on the you know on a podcast that covers this sort of stuff to perhaps cover this this piece of content. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying. I mean, uh, I <laughs> honestly I was going to take my daughter to see it, and then I saw then I saw the reviews, and I thought, yeah, life's too short. <laughs> okay. Well. Three more listeners will dictate whether life is too short for me, Reese, <laughs> uh, and um, we will see. I guarantee, I can, I promise, I will record at least a thirty-minute episode on the DC Super Pets, even if it's by myself. Okay, that's, that's, like, that's a promise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, well, I think that's that's everything on Sandman for now. <laughs> sure, you've Good you've Good made job. you've made an offer that's going to ruin your life, so that's fun too. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, and we will be back soon with discussion of. She-Hulk, I believe She-Hulk, you're doing that with yeah. me, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I don't, you know, I didn't have a kid today, so uh, you know, I've got fuck all else going on. So yeah, let's do. Let's do She-Hulk. Let's do a read along. Let's do the Super Pets. I need to fill my life with meaning, James. With meaning. <laughs> well, finish Sandman and see how you feel after that. Then. <laughs> okay, fine. Deal. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back uh, in about a week's time. Bye.